from the Alaska Airline Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to this is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, June 24th. After three months of negotiations, baseball is back. Unfortunately, it played out how it did, and the owners moving ahead with implementing the 60 game season. Players yesterday signing off on the health and safety protocols and agreeing uh, to. Report to training camp here on July 1st. Not that far off. So uh, that was the final step needed for baseball to return. What is a 60-game season going to look like? Uh, who will the opponents be? I'll explain that all ahead, plus the health and safety guidelines. 100 pages worth that players signed off on and uh, what those stipulate. Who could potentially opt out this season if they are not uh, interested or they have concerns about health and safety We'll detail all of it ahead in this hour. Also, uh, we've got a couple of big-name NBA players that have decided to opt out of the season for different reasons, even from some playoff contenders. So we'll discuss all ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Well, baseball is back, my friends. As I mentioned, three months of contentious negotiations, uh, the airing of grievances, some very public posturing between the owners and Players Association. But we finally get baseball back on our screens and on our radios. Mariners baseball right here on 710 ESPN Seattle coming at you in the coming weeks. But after negotiations hit an impasse earlier this week between those two parties, the owners, per the March 26 agreement that they had, exercised their right to implement a season of 60 games. On Tuesday, the Players Union agreed to the league's health and safety protocols, over 100 pages worth detailing every aspect of how things would look like, uh, and the final step needed to move forward with the 2020 season. Major League Baseball will now hold their opening day either July 23rd or 24th. Players will head to training camps on July 1st. It will run through the season, regular season, well, through September 27th. That was that date that baseball did not budge on. And it's going to be the same 10-team playoff structure we have seen for almost a decade. A lot of discussion about expanded playoffs over the past three months, but we end up with the same playoff structure as of now. Tim Kirkchin on uh, yesterday with ESPN Radio talking about how people are actually excited about 60 games. They're really excited about 60 games as opposed to 162 games. I can't tell you that I share that belief. I think 162 is the only way to go. However, with our attention span today, especially with our young people, they need excitement all the time. And 60 games, mad dash to the finish, every game matters. Every team has the same opportunity opportunity. Everyone's in it. And in baseball, Scott, you know this, a bad team can go into Yankee Stadium and win three games in a row. That can't happen in the NBA, but it can in baseball. A subpar team can get really hot for 40 or 50 or even 60 games. That's what's so exciting about this is your team, you say, well, we can't last 162, but we might be able to do something in 60 games. And that's got some people excited. 
We'll talk about the odds on favorites already toward the World Series and how those names are more or less what you'd expect, but how there could potentially be some dark horse contenders. How will the game actually look? How will it look different aside from just the 60 games? Well, teams will play their four divisional opponents 10 times and each of the five interleague opponents in the same geographical area four games apiece because... Uh, players did not want to opt for that bubble option where many sports leagues now coming back in the bubble environment, campus-like environment, and baseball players not interested in that. So going to be playing at their home stadiums and doing some travel, but at least trying to keep that in uh, a designated geographical area for them. Teams will have a taxi squad that allows them to have as many as 60 players available to play in major league games. Uh, Russell's will start at 30 for the first two weeks then go to 28 for the next two weeks and stay at 26 for the remainder of the season. So some flexibility there. There will be a COVID-19 injured list with no minimum or maximum length of time spent on it. Very different. While standard injury list stints will be for 10 days, the typical 60-day injured list will instead be for 45 days. The trade deadline also, if you're uh, already up on MLB trade rumors, the trade deadline will be August 31st. That's less than a month before the regular season is scheduled to end. Also, some some in-game things that will look different. The National League will use a designated hitter. In extra innings, teams will begin with a runner on second base. That was a rule that they plan to experiment with in the minor leagues, um, but now they're going to experiment it with it at this level. Uh, Jeff Passan explaining the perks of starting extra innings with runners on base. The idea behind doing it now, number one, is to test it out. But number two, more than that, we recognize that with this aborted second spring training, you know, three weeks to get pitchers ready, guys' arms just aren't going to be the same. That's why rosters are going to start off at 30 for the first two weeks of the season and go to 28 before eventually settling at 26. But the idea of taxing arms again and again in these interminable 15, 16, 17, inning games. No, you just get it over with. The the issue with this, of course, is that it winds up being one of those scenarios where you bunt a guy over to third, and then you have a couple of intentional walks, and then you're looking for a sacrifice fly. Is that really how you want games to end? Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus concerns, though, the big focus right now. Uh, they've ramped, over the, ramped up over the past week, especially with players and staff from several different organizations testing positive. Seven players, five staff members from the Philadelphia Phillies tested positive for COVID-19. Three Colorado Rocky players recently tested positive, according to ESPN. Players will be tested every other day when it returns, even if they are asymptomatic, according to the health and safety outlines and protocols. Keith Law of The Athletic uh, talking about how the virus now the biggest issue for Major League Baseball. Well, they can't really put up a fight. They're simply holding Major League Baseball to the terms of the agreement negotiated by both sides in good faith back in March. And as long as Major League Baseball also abides by those terms, which it appears that they're going to, there isn't really going to be a fight over that. There will have to be continued negotiations just over specifics of health and safety protocols. But it's mostly trivia at this point. The biggest things are are essentially already settled. The players will be paid pro rata for the number of games played. Major League Baseball did have the right to implement a season of the length of their choosing as long as it was at least 50 games. That has happened. We are not having expanded playoffs. The big stuff is already settled. So I think there will be a season or there will at least be a start of a season. And the biggest obstacle to starting a season or even completing a season 
is the virus itself, not really anything between the two sides. Jeff Passan also addressing what if an MLB player uh, tests positive for COVID-19? What will that look like? I had a player text me a couple of minutes ago saying, what happens if I test positive on the road? Do I just get to like hang out at the Four Seasons in this road city for a week and hang out and order room service? And yeah, I think that's pretty much the answer. You know, the NBA and and the NHL, if and when they do come back, have those questions taken care of being in a bubble. Major League Baseball is going to be traveling. There are going to be bus trips. There are going to be plane trips. There are going to be hotel stays. There are going to be all these different disparate elements that are going to be difficult to contain. Jeff Passan also asked, uh, can baseball withstand COVID-19 staying open and uh, uh, adhering to all these rigid protocols? I think a lot of this ultimately depends on baseball's stomach. How much is baseball willing to stomach COVID? Like that's the, that's the big question. And you've, you've seen companies that have stayed open and that have, adhered to to new protocols and that have continued operating and staying in business. Baseball is totally different than most companies, most organizations, and has its own challenges. But the, the question to me is, will they be able to get through spring training? If they can get through spring training, I think there is going to be a, a strong incentive to continue going. And uh, if they make it to, to July 23rd or 24th, I think we're going to have a season. Players deemed high risk because of pre-existing conditions will be allowed to opt out uh, and get paid and maintain their service time. Players without that kind of designation, they can opt out, but they will have to give up salary and service time. Under the imposed season, also players will receive their full prorated salary. That was a big sticking point for them throughout negotiations. Players never budged from their stance. They'll receive in total around $1.5 billion, about 37% of their full season salaries. But that does not include forgiveness on the $170 million salary advance they received as part of the March agreement between the two parties. Players also still expected to file a grievance against the league for not staging as full a season as possible. The league will probably counter with a grievance of its own. Uh, But amid all that, still exciting the fact that baseball is back. They'll have some work to do uh, over the next couple of years in terms of winning over fans' interest. And uh, fans probably a little uh, dismayed by all of the fighting and other competing things uh, for their attention, especially as baseball will run up against the NBA the next couple of seasons. As of now, the New York Yankees and the LA Dodgers uh, reopened as uh, seven to two favorites to win the World Series title, according to Caesars. The Houston Astros are third favorites at eleven to one. But you can expect some dark horse contenders, according to Keith Law of the Athletic. It just if you follow sort of the law of large numbers, says that the longer the season, the more we see the cream rise to the top. So in a shortened season, sixty games is less than half of the length of a typical major league season. So what that means is we will get more unusual outcomes. That'll be true at the team level and at the individual player level. So some teams we do not actually think would have been playoff contenders in a 162-game season will probably end up contenders in a 60-game season. We will also probably see more unusual results from players. We could see a player hit 400. We could see a pitcher post an ERA below one and a half, things we don't typically see over the course of a full regular season. But keep in mind that July 1st check-in, players and staff members will start traveling to training camp sites. Most of those will be held in home stadiums. 
But July 1st, not that far off. Rosters also will unfreeze Friday afternoon, leading to potential trades and free agent signings. But 60-game season in 66 days, uh, that's a season shorter than any the sport has known. And uh, But still, baseball back on our screens. And, of course, Mariner Baseball right back here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up next on the Blitz, some big-name NBA players have decided to opt out of the season. What does that mean for the league and potential transactions that could happen? It's next, uh, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is the Blitz. Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, June 24th, and it's a good day because baseball is headed back. Spring training 2.0. Going to kick off at July 1st, not that far off, with uh, opening day scheduled for July 23rd, 24th. Ah, man, it'll be good to have baseball on our airwaves again and hearing those uh, sounds nightly right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Meanwhile, we will also get basketball back in that same month, a late July start scheduled for the NBA. Adrian Wojnarowski, though, uh, talking yesterday on ESPN that positive COVID tests are expected uh, in the coming days. You may see a test come back tomorrow and the next day. You know, teams expect there's going to be a significant batch of positive tests and teams will be able to quarantine those players for a couple of weeks. And they're not doing full contact workouts. They're not doing five on five in this window. But once they get to Orlando, traveling there between July 7th and 9th, you know, those players then would quarantine again when they get to Florida. And then the real training camps start with the league tipping off on July 30. Brian Windhorst uh, speaking on the biggest question facing the NBA restart right now. How many cases would it take for the NBA to hit pause? The NBA released that 100-page document. I don't know how many thousands of words are in it, but there's a lot. And nothing in there indicates what that number would be. Adam Silver has not given a press conference. He's answered questions in a few media settings, but he has not given a press conference in six or eight weeks or something like that. So he has not been asked direct questions about this. At some point he will, and at some point he'll have to answer it, and he'll probably be a vague answer because they probably don't know. Brian Windhorst also on the biggest, biggest weakness of the NBA bubble right now. I spent four weeks in April talking with all the experts I could get my hands on about what a bubble would look like. And Tim Bontemps and I wrote a story basically saying what – needs to be in the bubble. And the NBA pretty much has everything that we had, with the exception of one thing, and that is that the staff members who take care of the players, who take care of their rooms, who do their laundry, who are going to cook for them, we felt that or, you know, in, in our you know, working of it that those folks would have to be quarantined in the bubble. The NBA and Disney have decided that's not the case. To me, that's where the weakness is. You are having those folks going back out, into their lives in greater Orlando where the cases are rising and then having them come in. We've seen a couple of players, big name players opt out of this season already. And for uh, a lot of different reasons, Los Angeles Lakers guard Avery Bradley opted out of playing in the bubble in the restart of the season and his decision centered around his family. No better reason than that, but in particular, the well-being of his oldest child, six-year-old son, Liam, 
Uh, he and his wife Ashley have three kids, but Lee and Bradley has a history of struggling to recover from respiratory illnesses. So it's unlikely that he would have been medically cleared, or at least it's unknown, to enter that Florida bubble with his family. So he put out a statement yesterday, as committed to my Lakers teammates and the organization as I am, I ultimately play basketball for my family. So at a time like this, I can't imagine making any decision that might put my family's health and well-being at even the slightest risk. As promised also, I will use this time away to focus on the formation of projects to help strengthen my communities. Bradley has been a co-leader with uh, Brooklyn's Kyrie Irving of a players coalition that has sought to have several issues centered on social justice, racial equality and empowerment addressed with the National Basketball Players Association and NBA in the league's restart. So now able to focus on that as well as the health of his family. Bradley, though, started 44 games for the Lakers this season. has been a key two-way player for them, averaging 8.6 points, 2.3 rebounds for Los Angeles this season. The Lakers, of course, the Western Conference number one seed heading into the 22-team restart in Florida. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is the likely candidate to replace Bradley in their starting lineup. But Adrian Wojnarowski speaking about how losing Bradley is a significant piece for them. Listen, this is a difficult personal decision, but professionally, the last NBA game I saw in person was the Lakers and Clippers on that Sunday uh, at Staples Center. And Bradley put up 24 on the Clippers, defended players all over the court. This is an important player for the L.A. Lakers. The Lakers will now be able to sign a replacement player for Bradley uh, with free agent J.R. Smith emerging as a leading candidate, according to ESPN Lakers president of basketball ops. Rob Palinka and Smith's agent were discussing a possible agreement last night. We're expected to speak again today. Adrian Wojnarowski on who the Lakers might acquire to fill that role. J.R. Smith. It was inevitable. He would find his way to L.A. Uh, <laughs> Back with re- reunite with LeBron James. And so... Uh, uh, J.R. Smith, who's been out of the league for over a season now, uh, is a serious, uh, I would say, a leading candidate to replace Avery Bradley on that roster. And um, that will certainly be entertaining uh, to have J.R. in the bubble, potentially, on this Lakers team and, and, and chasing another title with LeBron James. Another name to watch in the uh, transaction window, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, here it is. Here's an interesting name to watch here in this transaction window that starts at noon today, runs for a week. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, you know, he's been working out uh, at the P3 facility in Santa Barbara, rehabbing that knee injury from uh, preseason last year before the Lakers had to waive him to create a roster spot. Cousins is going to be, uh, he and his agent, Jeff Schwartz, I'm told, you know, they're going to be very careful about where they might commit. There's teams interested, but they're going to have to find the right situation for him uh, to come back now because they can give him another six months uh, of rehab and preparation for next season. Wouldn't rule him out with a team this year, but it's got to be the right team, the right situation, or he just waits until a training camp next year with a with a new team. Coming up on the Blitz, uh, would you want Antonio Brown on the Seahawks? That was the question discussed by Bob, Dave, and Moore yesterday. It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Wednesday, June 24th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. 
Rumors apparently heating up that the Seahawks would be interested in signing Antonio Brown, at least according to the NFL Network. They had an article up yesterday about this very subject, uh, saying that uh, NFL Network's Michael Silver reporting Tuesday on NFL Now that the Seahawks and the Ravens are having internal discussions about potentially bringing in the former All-Pro wideout. Uh, But is that something you would want to see here in Seattle? That was the topic of discussion on Bob David Moore yesterday. Uh, Michael Silver of the NFL Network is reporting that there is real interest in Antonio Brown by the Seahawks and the Ravens. Here's cut number six of him talking about that. Antonio Brown last year was a fiasco and because of off the field issues may be facing a suspension uh, of about half a season. But he's an exceptional talent. He's been reasonably quiet on social media lately. So teams are sniffing around and I would keep an eye on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Antonio Brown's been doing some offseason workouts with their backup quarterback Geno Smith. They are absolutely interested in, in having him potentially as a late season uh, addition and, uh, you know, assuming there's a suspension. And the Baltimore Ravens, uh, his cousin uh, Marquise Brown is on that team. They have sniffed around in the past. They are mulling that over, too. So internal discussions in both of those organizations. Keep an eye on Seattle and Baltimore. I don't love it. I don't even like it a little bit. And, uh, Bump, let's start with you. I mean, Antonio Brown, talent-wise, Antonio Brown on the field may not be a better receiver in the league. Maybe it's DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown. Maybe that's the trifecta of, of elite receivers. But we, we've seen far too much and too often who he is and what he brings to the table off the field. He still has some sexual assault allegations that need to be cleared up, so I don't even know how much whether they've got interest or not, how you know how quickly he could play for anybody because we don't know what's going to come of those investigations, what kind of suspension, and or if he's if found guilty, is he going to be in jail? I mean, there's a lot of unknown attached to him. But just that aside, what we saw in his time with the Raiders, you know, him getting into a heated exchange with Mayock, cursing at him, calling him a cracker, threatening to hit him. He got into the whole stupid dust-up about his helmet. He had the frostbitten feet. He attacked his teammates, you know, through social media in Pittsburgh. We saw him screaming at his his, uh, mother of his child. We saw a video of that just unhinged out in front of his house. He attacks a moving driver. I mean, he's not a good guy. He's got issues, and I hope he gets those issues cleared up. I don't want him in this locker room. I don't want that element around my around a young guy like DK Metcalf. You got a great guy in Tyler Lockett. No thank you on Antonio Brown. Could you imagine a conversation between Tyler Lockett and Antonio Brown? Like Tyler Lockett is one of the nicest dudes I've ever met in my <laughs> life. He's articulate, he's smart, he cares about people. What is he gonna talk about? with Antonio Brown like what's that conversation going to be like Antonio Brown would come in here and would want to be the number one receiver the Hawks have a number number one receiver they have a number two receiver they're working on a number three receiver I just don't think football wise mentally he's ready to take a backseat to anybody and then you throw on all the off off the field issues with his baby mama with the police the drivers and all I mean it's just he doesn't sound like a guy that you want to influence young guys. So say he were to get picked up by the Seahawks. I try to picture this. I'm like, what would life be like if he were with the Seahawks? When LeBron James 
chose to play for the Lakers. I, I don't like LeBron James. I like him as a person. I think he's a good guy. I appreciate his talents. But when he put on the jersey, I have yet to stand up and cheer for anything LeBron has done. Like, I appreciate it. I'll give the head nod and be like, yeah, that was a good play. That's your but team, Michael. I've yet to cheer. It's my team, but I just, I'm just not a LeBron fan. You know, I appreciate what he does, but I'm not getting super excited about it. I feel like that is how it would be with Antonio Brown because there's no denying that he's going to make plays. He might get three or four targets a game, and those might be huge plays. But when the lights are off, when everyone leaves CenturyLink, where is he going and what is he doing and who is he doing it with? Those are the things that when you're professional, guys don't want to have to worry. That's some college stuff. you got to worry about your guys and check them in and see if they're going to classes and who are they hanging out with. As a professional, you don't want to do that. So respect the talent, but I wouldn't touch them. That was uh, Michael Bumpus standing in yesterday on Bob, Dave, and more for one Mr. Dave Wyman. And you can listen to that full podcast. It's available for you online, 710sports.com. Also yesterday, Tom, Jake, and Stacy uh, discussing the fact that baseball's back, but have they done too much damage to their image in the past couple of months? Jake, you don't have to speak to whether or not you think there's going to be a work stoppage, but do you have the same kind of outlook that baseball is irreparably damaged? Yeah, I I do. Um, And I think that's what the frustrating part has been in terms of watching these negotiations is because it's not just this year right now with coronavirus. If we could just put this all into a vacuum right now, Stacey, I think it would still be frustrating because there's other sports that seem to be getting along just fine and they're figuring out a way to get it done and there there hasn't been a whole lot of drama or fanfare in terms of figuring out the uh, the financials, the legalities, the uh, medical mm-hmm. sides of, of these situations. But Major League Baseball has been fighting itself, you know, left and right at every single turn. And it's been frustrating for me, Stacey. I don't know how it feels about you, for you, but as I look at it, I just want a baseball season now because I don't think yeah. we're going to have one in a year from now, right? Because of these labor negotiations and, and there possibly being a strike. I think that that's a very real thing. And so for me, I want to enjoy baseball while we can. And if it's a 50-game season, a 60-game season, I, I, I want it. <laughs> And just give me that before we have to deal with this all over again next next off season. Now, Tom, you do not agree with Ryan, and I'm going to say Jake too, since they're they're kind of in the same boat about the damage here. You think that this I, could be something good? Well, I think that there's a lot of damage done. I, I don't think that Ryan's off base there. Okay. It's just. It depends on your perspective, right? I mean, clearly nothing is good between the owners and the players right now. There's a lot of damage done. And I think Ryan, I didn't hear the cut just now, but I think he specified that come, what, post-2021 is where they could really run into an issue. I think that may happen, but you know what? There's a lot that's wrong with baseball right now, okay? There's a lot that needs to be fixed. Free agency is a mess. They're having trouble keeping diehard fans. They're having trouble getting new ones. You get all kinds of problems on the field with respect to things like shifts and guys only taking walks. It's a walk, a strikeout, or a home run league, right? That's not good either. There's a lot that just needs to be looked at that's gone kind of un, not unchecked, but uh, just... It's gone on, on what? On, 
I don't know. It just hasn't been fixed in a while, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If, it, if it means that we need to have a work stoppage like a year and a half from now, it's not good. But I understand why that's the case, and I'm willing to accept that later <laughs> when, there, when other sports are back rather than now when we've got nothing. That's the biggest problem. Baseball this year, this summer, had a chance to take over when there was nothing and failed to do that, right? They could have really been the heroes. But instead, you know, they're coming back basically the same time as the NBA and, uh, and when tr- NFL training camps are going to roll around. So they're just going to be part of the fray. When they, if there's a work stoppage a year and a half from now, I think we're going to have other sports we can turn to. So that'll soften that blow a little bit. That won't bother me quite as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think so. Well, and I think, too, (laughs) we've joked about this before, but I'm also being very serious. If the Mariners are able to get into the playoffs in a year when I think we all thought they're not contending, like, this isn't happening. This is a year we're trying to figure out how to talk about before all this happened. We're trying to figure out how to talk about this season in a way that keeps people excited when we all know there's going to be a lot of losses. Uh, I'm going to go from being like, is this a real season? To saying this is the best season of baseball that's ever been played. I think this is the best World Series team on record. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, in that fact, I think we can have some fun with this, right? We can have some fun with the idea that, hey, for the Mariners – this actually gives them a chance. This gives them a, a playing field um, because, look, you saw you know, what they were able to do at the beginning of the season last year. That was the oddest and weirdest experience, and it was so fun all wrapped in in one. But it doesn't mean that a team can't get hot for you know, 50, 60 games uh, and, and surprise some people. So I think that's the unique part about it. And I wonder, again, it may not be the Mariners, okay? Most likely it will not be the Mariners. But if there were one or two teams that were able to make a deep playoff run, how much would that irk the Blue Blood uh, teams in uh, MLB? Like the Dodgers oh, and the Yankees so and the Red mad. Sox seeing seeing one of those teams being in there because they know that well if it would have been over the course of 160 some games these guys would not be here tom take and stacy their podcast also available for you at sports.com up next on the blitz it's time for the hot list the fbi determined that nascar driver bubba wallace was not the victim of a hate crime but why was there a pull rope fashioned like a noose in his garage stall He spoke out yesterday to CNN. We'll hear from him. It's next on The Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel. The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes. What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go. Well, baseball is returning more on that in just a moment, but how is the NFL approaching uh, the training camp uh, schedule, the preseason schedule, the regular season schedule? Things still unknown at this point. Adam Schefter saying yesterday that teams are waiting for direction from the league. 
Again, I think there are teams waiting for the direction from the league, Greeny, about when camp would and should open. We have teams scheduled to report by and large on July 28, 26 teams, and they're waiting to see whether they'll actually do that. We have the Cowboys and Steelers scheduled to report earlier for a Hall of Fame game right now that I think a lot of people no longer believe will take place in Canton this summer. There's been discussions about a shortened preseason. We'll see whether that takes hold. There are so many questions, and I think football's waiting to see how it goes with baseball and Jeff Passon's sport and basketball and Woj's sport to see how these sports work. And football's had that luxury all along. The FBI determined that NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace was not the victim of a hate crime and that a pull rope fashioned like a noose had been on a garage door at Talladega Speedway since as early as October, NASCAR said in their statement yesterday. Uh, uh, To quote it, the FBI concludes and photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose had been positioned there since as early as last fall. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all those who love racing. Steve Phelps, NASCAR president, also speaking with the media yesterday. The evidence is very clear that the noose that was in that garage had been in the garage previously. The last race we had had there in October, that noose was present and it was you know, the, the fact that it was not found until a member of the 43 team came there um, is something that is a fact. We, we had not been back to the garage. You know, it was a, a quick one day show. The crew member went back in there. He looked at the at he saw the news, brought it to the attention uh, of his crew chief, who then went to the NASCAR series director, Jay Fabian, and we launched this investigation. Bubba Wallace saying yesterday, speaking with CNN and Don Lemon, um, and was asked, have you seen ropes like that before? Don, the, the, the image that I have and I have seen of, of what was hanging in my garage is not a uh, is not a garage pool. Um, I've, uh, I've been racing all my life. I've, we've, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots, being um, in, uh, in 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 their as their evidence. Go ahead, but from the evidence that we have, um, that I have, uh, it's a straight up noose. The FBI has stated it was a noose over and over again. NASCAR leadership has stated that it was a noose. I can confirm that I actually got evidence of what was hanging in my garage over my car around my picker guys to confirm that it was a noose, and never seen anything like it. It's not something I, I talked to my crew chief about. It. I said, I said, is this something like I, I wanted to make sure we weren't jumping the gun. And I said, this isn't a, a knot. This isn't just a regular old what you call it. He's like, Bubba, this isn't something that can be done within a second of just tying a knot and being on the way. This so, is something that took time. Don just asked him to clarify. So are you uh, saying that you do believe it was a hate crime and Bubba saying no, but he believes it was a noose. Tied. So what are you saying here? Are you, do you, are you saying that you don't believe? Do you, do you believe that it was intended for you in, in that way? Or are you, what are you saying here? It, it was a noose. It was a noose that was either, whether tied in 2019 or, or whatever, it was a noose. So it wasn't directed at me, but somebody tied a noose. That's what I am saying. Mm-hmm. It was, it is a noose. 
Wells said Tuesday night that NASCAR did nothing wrong in its handling of the situation when his team alerted NASCAR to what it had found. The reaction to Tuesday's FBI announcement by some is uh, what frustrated Wallace, what angered him. He said he had spent plenty of time reading things on his phone in responses to that and said he was reading about people saying it was simply a garage pull with a knot in it. But uh, but he stressed that NASCAR and the FBI stated it was a noose. And uh, the, the reaction to it, people believe that he was making it all up. Uh, the doubters were what really got to him. And he said yesterday on with Don Lemon that those people will not break him, though. You know, you talked about it earlier. The people don't want to hear the truth. And I, I, people that want to know me and want to get to know me, the new fans that have come into the sport, I appreciate it. What you, One thing you'll, you'll never take away from me is how 100% I am, how raw I am, how real I am. And I'll shoot it to you straight each and every time because that's how I was brought up and that's what I stand by. And in my statement on Sunday night, this will not break me. None of the the, the allegations of, of being a hoax will, will will break me or tear me down. Will it piss me off? Absolutely. But that only fuels the competitive drive in me to shut everybody up, to get back out on the racetrack next weekend in Pocono and showcase what I can do behind the wheel under tremendous amounts of BS, whatever it is you want to say, um, you won't break me. You won't tear me down again. I will still stand proud of where I'm at. Marty Smith of ESPN also speaking on SportsCenter last night as well and saying, well, in, in this case, too, NASCAR's statement, it should have may have been should have been less definitive when they came out. When the statement says that definitively that there was a noose in Bubba Wallace's garage stall and that the person will be removed from the sport who did it. And the the it, it was it was not it was a definitive statement, right? And so that is what we were reacting to. And if I do believe that, uh, if if NASCAR had it to do again, they would still take the same stance. They would certainly they would certainly investigate it the same way. They would engage the same law enforcement. All of those things, but the definitive uh, aspect of the statement. They might change. NFL Network's Michael Silver reported Tuesday on NFL Now that the Seattle Seahawks and Baltimore Ravens are having internal discussions about potentially bringing in former All-Pro wideout Antonio Brown. Here was Mike Silver. Antonio Brown last year was a fiasco, and because of off-the-field issues, may be facing a suspension uh, of about half a season. But he's an exceptional talent. He's been reasonably quiet on social media lately. So teams are sniffing around, and I would keep an eye on the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Antonio Brown's been doing some off-season workouts with their backup quarterback, Geno Smith. They are absolutely interested in, in having him potentially as a late-season uh, addition, and uh, you know, assuming there's a suspension. And the Baltimore Ravens, uh, his cousin uh, Marquise Brown is on that team. They have sniffed around in the past. They are mulling that over, too. So internal discussions in both of those organizations. Keep an eye on Seattle and Baltimore. Uh, it'll be incredibly sad if Antonio Brown has a job before Colin Kaepernick does. Baseball is officially back, my friends, at least in a few weeks. After three months of contentious negotiations, a lot of public fighting and posturing between the owners and the Players Association, we will have baseball back on our screens. What do we know? Well, opening day will be July 23rd, 24th, and uh, players will head to training camps really soon, July 1st. The 60-game season will run through September 27th, and it will be the same 10-team playoff structure 
that we've seen for almost a decade. How will things look different? Well, teams will play their four divisional opponents ten times and each of the five interleague opponents in the same geographical area four games apiece. So not playing in a bubble environment, but trying to at least keep and limit the travel down. Teams will have a taxi squad that allows them to have as many as 60 players available to play in Major League games. Rosters will start at 30 for the first two weeks, then go to 28 for the next two and stay at 26 for the remainder of the season. There will be a COVID-19 injured list with no minimum or maximum length of time spent on it. The standard injured list stints will be for 10 days, but 60-day stint will be reduced to 45. And the trade deadline, if you're someone who likes to read MLB trade rumors like myself every day, uh, that will be August 31st, and then a month before the regular season is scheduled to end. Other things that you will see, the National League will use a designated hitter. Universal DH this year. Also, in extra innings, teams will begin with a runner on second base. This is something they talked about implementing and experimenting with. Was expected uh, to appear in the minor leagues this year, but now uh, able to experiment with it at the MLB level. Coronavirus concerns still at the very heart and center of what's going on, and that was the final step in what needed to happen for baseball to return was the players needed to agree on the health and safety protocols and agree to report to training camp here in just about a week. They did agree on that 100-page health and safety protocol uh, document, and uh, we, uh, we know that some players and staff members have already tested positive, so this is at the heart of the concern now moving ahead. Seven players, five staff members from the Phillies tested positive. Also, three Colorado Rocky players recently tested positive for COVID-19. Players will be tested every other day, even if they are asymptomatic, according to the health and safety protocol uh, moving ahead. Players deemed high risk because of pre-existing conditions. They'll be allowed to opt out of any season and get paid and maintain their service time. Players without that designation can still opt out, but they'll have to forego salary and service. Players still expected to probably file a grievance against the league for not staging as full a season as possible. The league will likely counter with a grievance of its own. But hey, let's just put that in the rearview mirror for the moment and concentrate on the fact that baseball is coming back. As of now, the Yankees and the Dodgers reopened as 7-2 favorites to win the World Series title. The Houston Astros are third favorites at 11-1. to That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.